Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful, beautiful, gray, misty, cloudy Pacific Northwest Sunday, the 24th of November. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. He is Ty Delbridge. What up? And you are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and IG, and that's at Trailcasters. You can email us and that's at trailcasters, and that's at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or I'm not sure where you listen to your podcast, but you can find us there. And Keith, what are we always looking for? We're always looking for not one, not two, not three, but five stars. All right, LeBron, we are always looking for five stars. (laughs) And these awesome beats you are hearing, it's this great music. It's from Odar Beats. That's soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. That took me a quick second there, and I might need help from one of our sponsors, Keith, because I do have a little bit of a stutter, so I think I need to maybe talk to Brenda from Clearly Speaking Oregon, and I think other people can do that as well, because here I am with a mic, and I'm still stuttering, and I think people who are not on mics can also do it. What do you think, Keith? I agree, man. I agree. I think we all have. None of us are uh, professional speakers here, uh, despite what we try to do, what we try to portray on this podcast. But yeah, Brenda Nuckton, one of our OG listeners over at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Go and check her out. Uh, she is a professional speech and hearing pathologist. She can help you with things like stutters, Ty. Uh, uh, voice fatigue, she can help with accent reduction, many other things. And also, if you are supporting ODAR, the local beats, and you're, if you're supporting, uh, clearly speaking, the uh, local speech and hearing pathologist, Brenda, over there, you should also be supporting Corey over at Envy Adventures. That is envidventures.com. He's got flights all around the Pacific Northwest. Go and see some beautiful views around the city, around the gorge, around Mount Hood, out to the dunes. Sometimes he has flights that are as cheap as like 50 bucks. Uh, normally, I think they're not even that bad. The normal price is more like 100 120 totally affordable if you split that between you and two or three friends or four friends i think probably four four seats in the back for you not counting the pilot i'm not really sure i haven't been in too many of those small planes uh but we're gonna do it one of these uh episodes man it's gonna be nope. crazy and i've Can't been wait. building this up for too many years to, to <laughs> have it happen eventually all right so ty will be back later but for now i've got oliver maroney of the big three coming to join me and talk about his portland roots about mellow's production so far and adjusting expectations for the blazers this season let's get him in here He is formerly from Dime Magazine and the Basketball Insiders, now full-time working in the Big Three Basketball League. League Ice Cube called him the Big Three Woj. I met him a few weeks ago while he was just hanging out with none, none other than Michael Rappaport, and his Twitter timeline right now has RTs from Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum, so you know this guy is rolling with the Blazers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Oliver Maroney. Oliver, how are you, sir? Thank you for coming on. I love to love to try and pump up the resume and hey I gotta be honest all I'm doing is looking at your uh, Twitter bio I'm not doing too much deep <laughs> research on that <laughs> but you you are the big three woge man it's a uh, it's very cool actually to to see where you've gone I you know you can probably tell us best I wish Ty could have uh, stuck around for this he had to jet but uh he is a uh, he, he had some really nice things to say as far as where you went from uh, Dime Magazine and kind of the insiders as far as writing and now the role that you have with uh, Big Three. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I started out, actually, uh, I wrote high school. uh, I did high school basketball coverage when I was in middle school at the Oregonian, and uh, they paid me $5 a game. And that got me into into the arena. So, or I guess not the arena, geez. It's a high school basketball gym. 
Right. Um, okay. But I, it was during the times of Terrence Jones and Terrence Ross and Kyle Wilcher and EJ Singler and Kyle Singler and Kevin Love. Basically, like the, the glory days of Oregon high school basketball. So I got to know a lot of those guys, met a few agents through them, managers, family, etc. And kind of just fell in love with the whole idea and concept of like telling stories beyond just like what I was doing, which was uh, literally I had a box score and I checked a box every time somebody got a rebound and then I totaled <laughs> it up at the end of the night and sent in a paragraph uh, summary of what the game was and there I was in the back of the, the Oregonian um, when I was in like late middle school and uh, very early high school. So wow, you started that young. Start. Yeah, no, I, when I was in 7th and 8th grade in middle school, uh, that's basically when I started doing those. Um, I, I didn't have anything else to do. You know, as a middle schooler and a high schooler, I did not party, I did not drink, I did not smoke. <laughs> I was pretty boring, um, and I really loved sports. And, like, everybody at school knew that. We played, I mean, I literally would do my homework and work inside of my class, and then the last 10 minutes or so, I'd just browse, like, fantasy basketball and stats wow. and just, like, everything. So that's, that's awesome, kind of who I was, and... Yeah, no, I played sports in high school and stuff like that, but that was pretty much it. I mean, I was very bare bones in terms of uh, who I was as a kid, and um, yeah, it was th- that's how I got my start, and I started doing my own blog in high school, just started writing on random, hey! random different things, random topics, wrote for a bunch of like random, I, I went on Craigslist, looked at like blogs <laughs> that you could write for in, in, in Portland. Just freelance blog. Random freelance blog stuff, yeah, 20 bucks an article, 30 bucks an article, Wow. Uh, I don't think any of them knew that I was as young as I was, but hey, um, you know, at the end <laughs> of the day, uh, it, I got really, really good experience from it and got to grow and learn from a lot of different people. Ben Golliver's like a great friend of mine that I, I followed along with Shout early out to ben. on. He'll tell you. Yeah, he, he, he's a great guy. Man. We you. had him on the show a long time ago. He's another guy who's uh, grown up around the area here and, and has, like you said, progressed in. Uh, let me ask you, actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Where did you go to uh, middle school? Was it around the Portland area then? Mount, Ta- Mount Tabor Middle School and uh, Franklin and Cleveland High School. So wow, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Yeah, so, and that was that was pretty much it. You know, I, once I started shadowing people, uh, that was like, I don't know, uh, senior year of high school, I started shadowing, you know, like a Ben Golliver. Right. Uh, actually got the opportunity, paid my way, saved up a bunch of money, paid my way to Summer League. Uh, didn't have a credential, didn't have a pass, paid for a ticket, and... Um, basically spent like six or seven days in Vegas uh, wow. with Kristen Ledlow. And so I actually, it's crazy because <laughs> I, I, her first season of Inside Stuff hadn't even come out yet, but I had just followed her career and I was like, hey, would you be interested in me like just following you along and like writing like a profile on you? And she's like, yeah, of course, go right ahead. Dude, that's this awesome. Is before she was like, yeah. And so like people like that are like why I feel like I'm even – I even exist, uh, <laughs> in the Twitter sphere. And so I, I always try and pay it forward. I love, you know, just seeing kids and people who are interested in, in basketball or coverage of basketball. And, um, yeah, I carved my own lane and did my own thing. Went to basketball insiders, dime, a bunch of other places, but so, yeah, so there's not one y- way to do this. What year was that when you, uh, when you met Chris and Leto down there, as far as just kind of giving the time frame? Uh, 2011, maybe 2010. Man. Something so like what, uh, so you've seen from 2010, 11, because I'm not saying it would be impossible now, but like the Vegas scene uh, for Summer League has changed so oh, yeah. much. <laughs> and yeah. I, I imagine no. it would be a little different. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's I'm, it's got to be crazy to think of uh, you going down there, like you said, before Chris and Ledlow had really kind of gotten to the, the, the fame and uh, notoriety that she has now. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, she she would just, I mean, and I think that summer they had just announced Inside Stuff. Like, she hadn't even recorded an Inside <laughs> Stuff episode yet. So it was, like, in that time period. I think um, what was what was so intriguing, obviously, you go down to Vegas and you're like, okay, um, you know, not many people go to Summer League. And that, that that's why I went down there, because I was like, hey, every media member that I ever wanted to meet, talk to, was going to be down there. But um, this was the time where it was like, you know, these gyms are half empty. Uh, they were not sold out. Mm. There was no like real buzz around them. Um, so I mean, the only time I remember the gym being full, LeBron showed up, and this is when <laughs> I want to say he had just switched to the Cavaliers. Maybe it was before then, even maybe the Miami Heat. I can't even recall when it was, but he showed up for a game, and the gym just packed up. Right. Other than that, though, um, that's all that, that. Like every other gym that you went to, you go to a Portland Trailblazers game. There's you know 300 people in the stands. Uh, it was just, house. it was a crazy experience. So yeah, I, I covered her, followed her around, wrote a profile on her. She ended up putting me on inside stuff. It was like this huge thing for me and all my family. I'd like send it to everybody I knew. I was like, oh my God, I'm on inside stuff. This is crazy. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, from there, obviously, I think I just met a bunch of different people. I mean, it was like uh, one after the other after the other, whether it was a player, a coach, an uh, executive, um, like follows on twitter all sorts of different things were going on at that time and um i just picked up writing wherever i could i i tried to carve out my own lane i worked a full-time job while i did all this on the, on the side and took vacation days for it so it was wow. not an easy easy deal but yeah that that's kind of my story i guess you could say and so from there all the way to big three now uh how did you get to that? Like, what was the transition coming over? Like, did you, is Ice Cube just one of these people that you met and hooked up with and he said, hey, uh, I need kind of my, my analyst, my insider? Uh, how, how'd you get into that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started, so I, uh, I covered, I got hit up by a PR person with Big 3 in season one before they'd even kicked off. And they just basically said, hey, we've got this, like, thing. They didn't really want to tell me too much detail about what it was um, because it hadn't been announced yet. Huh, like, okay, right. this sounds cool. So it's like, hey, there's Alan Iverson in it. I can't give you all the details. Ice Cube starting it, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I love the pitch and the idea. I was with Dime at the time, and I was like, hey, like I pitched it to Martin. I'm like, hey, I want to do like, how the heck did this start? So hmm. uh, Martin says, yeah, go for it. This sounds like a great idea. I chat with uh, Ice Cube. Uh, it's supposed to be like a 10-minute conversation. It turns into like an hour-long conversation just about like <laughs> everything. And... Um, I'll never forget this. I, I I have a phone interview scheduled with Ice Cube. I want to say it was 1 p.m. Pacific time. And um, I'm like, okay, well, nobody's giving me a call-in number, so what am I supposed to do here? Is this like a dial-in? Is somebody going to call me? What's going on? I get this random number from California. I pick it up, and he says, yo, it's Cube. And I'm like, okay, so this is how it's set up. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment. And, and so, uh, you know, obviously, we... we we go through the interview process. It was great. It was just, it was surreal. Uh, and, and so anyways, he goes through how he started it and the article ends up getting picked up. I mean, I did, I took a, it took probably a month or two to actually craft it and put it out. But, um, gosh, I got quotes from Alan Iverson, Jeff, uh, the other co-founder, nice. Ricky Davis, a bunch of people pieced it all together and ESPN ended up picking it up. I went on, um, Bomani's show, uh, Bomani Jones's show, I went on, like, a bunch of other shows. Uh, I can't even recall what other ones I went to, but it just really put you things on the map for me for Big 3, and um, they appreciated it, they loved it, and so I ended up uh, getting in conversations with them about doing a podcast, doing a bunch of other things, 
And so I, I just worked part-time for them for the past three seasons. I wanted to do it. I loved doing it. Um, and that, that's, that's, that's why I did it. It wasn't really for money. It wasn't for anything else. It was just, hey, I, I, I like the league. I like the players. I like who's involved. And it really did make me feel like I was part of a family. Like every single time I'm on a road trip, um, you know, players will take you out for dinner. You know, they'll, you'll, you'll go to practices together. We are all on a team bus. Um, you know, I, I think back to like even this season, me and Nate Robinson and a couple other guys are just in this car. We're going to get some food. Then we're going to go here. Then we're, you know, it was just like, uh, uh, yeah, it's like your extended family. And it's just crazy. Nate Robinson, I used to, no big deal. Yeah. I just grew up watching these guys and like really, um, it changed. I, I changed from being like this media member to just being like, this is normal day to day stuff. And I think that's what they appreciated and then this summer it just came together i mean i got a call from jeff and they just said hey look we need a kind of a swiss army knife um somebody who's going to handle pr somebody's going to handle media relations somebody who's going to be able to craft some articles put some uh, content through so i'm doing everything um there's no one thing that i do i, I do as much as i possibly can and i help this league as much as i can because i i truly believe in it and that's that's the type of people cube hires like if you walk around with cube you're around them enough you just see that all these people have been in his life and they've been in his life through good through bad through whatever it doesn't matter what pay they have it's it's more or less just they saw the vision they believed in him they believed in what he was doing and therefore that's why they're a part of it so that's fantastic man and i love watching the big three Uh, well you guys have had three seasons now is that right Three seasons, yeah. Three, three seasons, and you just added four more teams in the last one, uh, putting it up to 12, is, I think is where it was at, uh, including Greg Oden getting drafted. He was taking seventh overall Oden is year. the nicest guy. It's incredible. So I have a long story about that. I used to work at Adidas. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. going to go short with this. I used to work no, at Adidas no, no. Uh, in Portland uh, at the employee store. And okay. uh, I just used to be a retail associate, nothing crazy. This is like right out of high school, basically. I didn't have anything else going on. I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll take, I'll pick up a job at Adidas and worked at Adidas. <laughs> and, uh, one of his teammates, best friends, uh, worked at Adidas at the employee store as well. So we worked together for about a year together. And it's funny cause the last like four to five months I worked there, um, I'm, I'm walking to the gym and, uh, my wife was a supervisor at, uh, at a gym nearby in Hollywood and uh, it just so happened that his girlfriend also worked at the gym. The exact same person, Greg Oden's best friend, whatever. Long story <laughs> short, my wife babysat for him, this whole story. What? And uh, yeah, just like, it's just, it, it literally is like, couldn't make this stuff up. And um, What a small world, that's crazy. Yeah, you- <laughs> so then I get to the Big Three draft, and I said, yo, Greg, I, I know we haven't talked much. Like, I, I know you know me, you know, you know, we followed each other. That was pretty much it. And, um, so we get to the draft and I'm like, Hey, I, I know, you know, your, your boy, Brandon. And he's like, yo, I'm on the phone with him right now. Brandon, you know, Oliver, blah, blah, blah. And so anyways, <laughs> it's just like, it's nuts how small of a world it is. And so ever since then, Greg has been the nicest guy to me. Like he's, he's just a nice guy in general, very humble, oh, yeah. uh, super caring, just like, yeah, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And it's so cool to see him just go out there and do what we all expected him to in Portland. Yeah, exactly, man. Like I, I watched him play, and just it is sad. It's it's one of the saddest parts of recent Blazer history. I think how that worked out with Greg, because like you're saying, everything 
that you saw of him was a nice guy that fell on some hardships, some tough obstacles that were tough for a young dude to deal with and maybe not having the right structure around the time, who knows what. Uh, but seeing him ball out, man, like seeing how he plays at that point, it looks so good. I wish we could have had him around. Uh, but let's talk about some other Blazers, actually. Uh, Mello and Pau Gasol. Pau actually no longer being a Blazer now, um, which probably means I have to get rid of my Pau sound effect that I love so much in the show. But uh. Pau is focusing on rehabbing his his, uh, his leg, his knee or his ankle. I'm mixing up on all the Blazer injuries at this point. I think it's his, uh, his foot, right? Is that accurate? I think it's his foot. Yeah, it wasn't his yeah. foot. Is that what it was? Uh, we're going to go with foot. But yeah, there's so many Blazer big man injuries at this I'm point. Busy. It's hard to keep straight. Uh, Pau, though, he is not retiring, but just uh, kind of uh, being taken off the roster to focus on rehab. And, you know, maybe this kind of benefits the team as well if we need another open roster spot to try and bring someone else in here. We'll see how that goes. But uh, Pau and Melo, I feel like if they didn't have a spot here on the Blazers and they were still going to play ball, probably heading towards the big three. Where would you see them going uh, as far as, uh, let's say, the draft board, uh, if they were going to be in like, the 2020 draft for the Big Three, do you think these guys are guys who come out there and perform, or are they uh, maybe more on the on the bench, on the wings? Melo's probably captain, potentially. He, he has captain potential in the Big Three. Um, because, you know, the big, th- big Three really values isolation scoring. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's so, I mean, the three-on-three game, yeah, so the three-on-three game versus the five-on-five game is very difficult to discern. You know, I think the differences that you see are that, you know, on defense, you just can't, you can't be bad. Uh, so that would be a problem for Melo. Uh, <laughs> feeling that he would, he, would, he would have some struggles there. But at the same time, I think on offense, you know, uh, you look at a guy like Joe Johnson, you know, he wasn't necessarily a defensive liability on his team because he had good defenders around him but he was able to create his own shot. And uh, in the big three, when you always have a defender on you, 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 have, to, you have to be good on offense. You have to have creative moves and, and skills that nobody else has, or you have to be a mismatch. And what Joe's ability is that he's a guard at 6'7", you know, in, in the big three a lot of the times. He was handling mm-hmm. the rock at the top of the key and going against guys like Mario Chalmers, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, guys who are like four, five, six inches shorter than him. He right. could get a shot off on anybody. And so Melo, kind of the same thing. I think yeah. he'd probably go against the bigs, and there's a mismatch there. Pau Gasol, I don't, I don't know where he'd fit in. He'd definitely be draftable. I just don't know where he'd fit in because bigs, I mean, you notice some of the bigs that we have, Big Baby, Al Jefferson, uh, Greg Oden. Big uh, They're huge, big bigs, <laughs> yeah. So you put a guy like Pau in there, which is, you know, he, he's a little more slender. Um, and well, and he's know, more of a I mean, finesse maybe. player. He, he's he's, he's more that guy where he uh he, he he can he can distribute certainly he's probably one of the best passing big men we've seen right and I'm sure that would hold up in the big three as well but yeah like you're saying Absolutely. the three man game the, the difference going from five man to three man the physicality especially with the bodies they have in there right now yeah that that might be interesting uh so yeah Pow <laughs> on the on the fringe of the Blazers might not be in the center of the big three either but Mello <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, about what he is doing with the Blazers right now. I didn't really even think that he was necessarily going to be starting before he got in here, but obviously what we've seen from the three games uh, so far, small sample size, but he's a, a pretty central role for the Blazers rotation right now. Uh, injuries and all that notwithstanding. Is this what you saw um, when, what, what, as far as your expectations with him coming in or, or uh, is this maybe a little, uh, I guess, more reactionary to the continuing injury frustrations that the Blazers are working through? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, he's done a really good job with the Blazers. I, I actually expected a lot of this. I, I was really happy when he got signed because I do feel like he, he deserved another chance. He, he's clearly a good scorer in the NBA. I don't think anybody questioned that. It was just, how's he going to fit in with the team? Is he going to be able to not have the ball in his hands? I've seen a couple times where he's he's done some isolation stuff where, I, I, you know, in the NBA, you just can't really have players like that who aren't as yeah. efficient. You know, like a James Harden's great because you know that he's going to hit it five times out of ten or whatever, but a guy like Carmelo, you can clearly tell, you know, it may not go in as many times as that, and that's just not a good shot in comparison to, you know, kicking out to a CJ or kicking out to a Dame or somebody else. But for, for, for what he's worth, I mean, look, it's a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, the fact that they just picked him up off, you know, waivers, he hasn't played in 12-plus months, and now you've got him, and he's playing this well so far. I, I think you know right. th- there's a there's a real possibility that he could be you know a starter moving forward. The, the problem, I think, with this Blazers team, and I don't think people foresaw this before they made that move for Whiteside, is you just looked at the depth, and yeah. they just don't have it this year. You know, they, yeah. and unfortunately, they just they just don't. Zach Collins goes down, and now you're 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 literally pulling strings for. Anthony Tolliver or someone like that to go into that four position. That's why they got Melo ultimately. It's like, who are you going to play? Hazonia or Tolliver? Well, that doesn't and so really... I, <laughs> and to, to that as well, I think what else we've seen, uh, and honestly, the way that I'm kind of leaning at this point, uh, is Nasir Little. He's a rookie, obviously, and yeah, I don't think... absolutely. We didn't expect to see him play at all this season. He should not have been in rotation at all. He should be getting garbage minutes. And that really shows you how far this team uh, has fallen and kind of changed up uh, or how much we have to change our perspective on what we thought was going to be going on this season. But to go from not being uh, a player that shouldn't be in the rotation and right now, I think you could ask questions about whether he should be starting at four just for the minutes and the experience and have Melo come off the bench. But I'm, I can't really argue, like you said, what Melo has been doing so far, especially that second game, 18 points and four assists and seven boards. If we can see more of that from him, I would love it. However, if we're going to see uh, more of what we saw last night against Cleveland where he went, I think, uh, 5 of 15 from the field and 0 of 8 from deep, uh, that's that's a little more of a problem. Ty and I, we were, uh, we were talking on the episode... Uh, about uh, a mellow scale, uh, which we'll bring up later as far as uh, I had a listener poll out there about uh, not quite the analytical mellow scale, but more of like a mellow temperature reading. Uh, And I put this out in the listener poll as far as Olympic mellow, hoodie mellow, uh, and Houston mellow. And someone else mentioned Oklahoma mellow being kind of in between hoodie and and Houston there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like if we can get more of that hoodie mellow, that second game with that 18 points, four assists, dishing around, taking the right shots, getting some boards, I'm down with that. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he does need to start. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he he really feels like he can only produce uh, if he's got them in his right from the get go. Yeah, I put something out on Twitter about um, the Blazers signing Joe Johnson, and people freaked out. And I, I just <laughs> it, I'm not trying to say that you need to throw all the veterans on the table with the Blazers, but like right now as it stands, like you just mentioned it, you have Mello who's hot and cold. You you know the temperature gauge. It just differs game to game, and I think it's going to for a while. You know, he hasn't played on a team for 12 months, 12 plus months. Yeah. It's it's going to be very hard for him to just be like, okay, yeah, just jump into a system and be and and, and look flawless. And I think Melo's game, unfortunately, is really predicated on the matchups that he's given. Yeah, uh, you know, true. if he's guarded by somebody who's smaller, 
he typically does better if he's guarded by somebody who's a little more physical and, and can can man him up a little bit better and, and get close to him. Uh, he struggles, and I think the problem is is that Melo doesn't change his game or adapt his game when he's against those defenders. He goes at one speed. It's mellow, mellow game, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly. kind of that. That's kind of what I equivalent it to. Unlike a guy like CJ, who knows, okay, I've got Patrick Beverly on. Just using an example, I've got Patrick Beverly on me tonight. I'm gonna have to ditch out or pass more. I'm gonna have to be more creative offensively in order to get some shots off. And if I'm open, I'll take it. But if I'm not, I know that I've got one of the best defenders in the league on me. I'm gonna right. move the ball around more. Same with Dame. They're smart enough players to understand. Okay, I'm not gonna change. You know, I'm gonna change my game. Uh, to, to make the most sense for our team to win. Whereas I think Melo, and that's been the, the kind of the, the, the hunch on him the entire time uh, for the past probably four or five seasons, is just, you know, his, his ability to adapt. I, I don't right. think it's necessarily, like, people pinpoint, like, oh, he just is not a good defender. Absolutely, like, I understand that. But ultimately what it comes down to, in my opinion, when an NBA team's trying to take a chance on somebody is... Are you willing to change your game to whatever you're playing against? And I just don't know if Melo's been able to do that in the past. He seems to show like pretty good signs of life. I, I'm not saying he's terrible. I think the signing was great. But you know, let's let's not go overkill here and think that he's an all-star. You know, that, that's that's not yeah. who he is. <laughs> he, he's he's going to help you in rotation, and, and um, I, I think that's where another player or uh, another body. Um, you know, I look at I, I look at a guy like Joe Johnson. I look at some of the other bigger players that can possibly play for. Um, the, and the reason I say Joe is just because Joe's a smarter player. Like his IQ is um, much better yeah. than, than a lot of players in the league. And um, at this point in his career, he, he's looking to lead a team. He's looking to be able to, you know, change his game to whatever needs to be done in order to make their their, their team better. Um, so you know, a guy like that. Unless you're going to make a trade, you know, and everybody points out all the different trade scenarios out there. Uh, of course. I don't know. This Blazer season is just, uh, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but this Blazer season overall, it's just been, um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I think everybody thought they were somewhere, they were going somewhere, they improved uh, on paper, and um, even with Sack Collins, I don't know. I, you know, you still don't really know. So I can't really blame it on the move necessarily, but I do look at it and I'm like, well, Myers was kind of coming to his own last year. Like Mo Harkless has been hit and miss, but he's been pretty solid for the LA Clippers. And then Aminu has been pretty darn good. You know, um, you know, we knew that they were all inconsistent. They weren't all great, but if you have three inconsistent players that can give you some minutes rotationally over one guy, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially with this depth. I mean, I think you kind of see what's playing out right now. And I think that's the real reason that the Blazers are struggling. They just don't have the depth they used to. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head. I think uh, they cleared, we talked about this on previous episodes too, that they cleared the decks for Zach Collins. They wanted to really give him room to grow and have this be his breakout season. And when he went down three games into the season, there just wasn't a lot of planning for what comes next. Uh, we've mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier, we've seen Hazonia, uh, we've seen Tolliver, we've seen N Nasir Little, and we've seen Mello all kind of rotating into being that four guy and none of it is really working so iso joe is interesting we haven't we haven't brought that name up before we've uh we've had people mention joakim noah kenneth farid obviously but off the board noah's now. good uh, farid yeah 
I, I like the thought of Joe, though. Iso Joe would be a, someone that can play forward. He's a big body. He's a smart player. Uh, and maybe that's kind of the other thing we're really lacking right now is people that are willing to kind of play the heady game. Uh, there certainly has been complaints about Whiteside maybe not quite being uh, consistently motivated, <laughs> consistently consistently driven to, to perform and kind of keeping uh, his wits about him as far as a smart play. But... I, I think, like you uh, said as well, though, the real core issue here is injuries. Uh, it all came back to not just Zach, but the big man, the front court injuries in general have led us to a situation where we have guys playing out of position. We have people that should be uh, guarding small forwards, guarding power forwards, and we have guards having to guard uh, small forwards. And that is leading to the rebounding deficiencies that we're seeing pretty much every game at this point. Uh, the massive uh, deficits and rebounds, as well as probably the uh, extra pressure on defense from being smaller or having you know, a large guy getting blown by by the quick guys. That just The mismatches are, are killing us at this point and it's causing the, the re- rebounding deficiencies as well as the free throws and the fouls that I think are just really keeping us from being able to get any sort of momentum going. And I don't know if... Uh, I would love to think that Iso Joe coming in could really uh, could fix the, the problem, but I think mostly at this point, it's going to be more about adjusting our expectations the 5 and 12 record is not what anyone would have expected but i have a quote on here uh from dame post game after cleveland he was talking to jason quick uh he said just watch just watch you've seen this movie before it's a marathon we've also been 10 games under 500 before that doesn't mean we are going to be successful with that again but we've done it before we've done we've gone on double digit win streaks multiple times and i think because of those things we are not afraid of being down and we also remain optimistic for what can happen because of our experience in those situations so obviously dame has got to keep this line this is kind of the he's got to toe the line of saying we're not out we're not lost he's the leader he but if you saw him play last night, Oliver, I'm not sure if you were watching the Cleveland game, if you could bear to watch that or any yeah. of the other uh, wonderful Oregon sports going on last night. Uh, but Dame playing 37 minutes, in my opinion, didn't even look healthy on the floor. He didn't look like he was himself. He couldn't be as aggressive as he wanted to be. Uh, looked like he was almost kind of at practice speed in a real game. And I don't want to see him out there if that's the shape he's in. I, I, where are you on a... I mean, like, so I guess the the real thing here is as far as adjusting the expectations for the team, realizing that this may not be the the championship run that that Olshay touted and that everyone kind of talked about at media day. Um, Where do you sit on this team now? Like, how are you feeling as far as their their hopes for the future? Is this something that we should be looking at the lottery and trying to maybe uh, (laughs) move that direction? Or do you think picking up Iso Joe or picking up some other power player could really get us into position to still make a playoff push at least? Yeah, I think they're still in. Uh, I wouldn't say good position, but I, I think I think they have an opportunity to be in a good position uh, once everyone gets healthy, once everyone figures out the offense. I mean, the problem I have, and like I said, I said this earlier, they just didn't account for the depth at all. Like, had right. you just known, had you just had you just kind of just sat back and looked at it, you're like, okay, well, what happens if Zach Collins gets hurt? Nobody said yeah. that. Like, that wasn't even a question. So. You look at it and you're like, okay, well, Melo could have been here for three months. He could have been acclimated to the system. He could have been acclimated <laughs> to everything. And instead, you just decided, oh, in a panic button move, let's go pick him up and see what he can do off the street. And that's basically, like, he's done as good as you could possibly want, I think, given the fact that he hadn't played in a long time. But I think when you look at this Blazers team and the expectations behind it, you have to you have to temper them at this point. Um, you, you, there's, there's no way you're, you're going to be... In a, in a position where you're a, a top two, top three seed, I think, at this point. You have to kick that out the door. 
just just given the fact that look, I mean, I know they've been on road trips, but just given the fact that you're already 17 games basically in, um, you know, 16, 15, you're you're one quarter basically of the way through the season, and yeah, just about. Um, you know, it, it it just isn't feasible to win or rattle off 20 wins in the NBA in a row. That just doesn't happen. Uh, and if they were to try and get, you know, a top four seed even, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, you just look at the West. It's just brutal. Um, so I, I think overall you just have to start thinking about, okay, if we think we're a playoff team, you know, we've got a gun for that, obviously. But if, if you really think you're a playoff team, you have to start considering um, – keeping a lineup similar or the same over the course right. of a number of days. I think what's happened right now is you have Little starting, you then have Mello starting, you have yep. Tolliver starting at center. Like, there's just so much unknown, and it seems like they're just trying to work this out in some way. Like, some magical thing is going to happen where Tolliver starting at center is going to, like, change the way the Blazers play. And that just, I, 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 you know, unfortunately to me, Tolliver's a great dude. I know that off of the court he's a nice guy, but, you know, that's that's not your lord and savior in Portland, and it's, <laughs> it's not going to be. So I, I think you know, I think Tolliver is is Tolliver seemed like a serviceable player as far as veteran knowing fundamentals, but his shot is absolutely. off, man. Uh, like the, the, the yeah. shot is not doing it, and he's definitely not the body that we need in there at center, or even I mean, even his power forward, he work, could work as a stretch four. The one that I've more I been disappointed probably... in, oh, the, the one that I the, the one that I really really wanted to see more from was uh, Hazonia. I feel like he came in. I feel like we had expectations of him coming in and maybe he could be that backup four or the stretch four. This young guy who had something to prove and has had some swagger in the past. But I mean he and Bazemore both, man. Bazemore is more of a small forward, but both those two, as far as our wing forwards, have just underwhelmed overall. Do you what what is your opinion on them? Like it were maybe fans here a little uh rosy eyed about them and we shouldn't have let it be a... Uh, I shouldn't have expected as much, or do you think there's been something going on with them as far as trying to find their fit? Oh, I think I think Hazonia and Tolliver both they're just they're just not cutting it. They're not good enough. I, I, I you just know, I think we're seeing I think we're seeing why Hazonia has been, you know, ditched in the past from a number of different teams. Um, I think that's just coming up and, and, and sort of you know, Neil O'Shea's been great at these little like pickups and additions that people kinda sleep on, but man, um, at some point in time that's gonna come back to bite you. I think he's made a number of these moves, you know, Seth Curry um, you think back, even Mo Harkless, Aminu, some oh, of yeah. these other pieces that he's gone Rolo. out and got in the past. A Rolo. I mean, they, you just keep going back, and you're like, wow, he's really hit on a lot of these guys that you just didn't right. expect. That's why they've overachieved like every single year for most people's expectations. But, but it can't be every these, one of them. Can't be every one of them. You can't hit on every one. And I think Hazonia, while it sounded great and it looked great in preseason, it's preseason. You know, he was playing against guys. <laughs> And I would say, you know, even the starters to an extent, like I looked at the Nuggets game and he looked great in that Nuggets preseason game. I think it was the, one of the last preseason totally. games of the year. And you're looking at him, you're like, man, this guy's athletic. He's getting up and down. I think he had a dunk in there that was really, really like emphatic. And it kind of set the tone for the Blazers. And you're sitting there like, man, this guy, maybe he turned this thing around. And then you look on the court and you're like, okay, well, they have, you know, Michael Porter Jr. just coming back. They've got mm. like all these random pieces that haven't really played a bunch. And to me, it's like, it's preseason. It's not the regular season. They're going to take it a little bit differently. You can't, you know, take that for what it's worth and expect that to continue. But for me, and I think even people inside the organization uh, are looking at those two guys and sitting there thinking to themselves, like, who can we replace? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, who can, how much who value can, we, can get? we get out of these guys? Yeah, it's it just to me, 
it's tough. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with those guys. They're just not good enough. And I, I don't think that's going to change. Now, Bazemore, I've seen enough from him. He reminds me of like a, a poor man's Nazir Little throw so far this season. Like he does hustle. <laughs> he gets rebounds. Like, I know this sounds terrible, but like, I'm, I'm just saying like, version in comparison, of a poor man's version of a rookie, but like, but like, I know where Bazemore is going to be. Like I've seen him play. He was gotcha. good in the preseason to an extent. Uh, and to me, there's something to be said about the hustle. Like right now, you d- like last year. Okay, Amino, you know he's going to dive on the floor and try and get loose balls. Harkless. A lot of the times, similar things uh, we've seen from him in the past. Even Seth Curry to an extent. Like he had a little bit of energy to him. Um, this year, not so much. And like then you, then you go back and you're like, okay, uh, Bazemore, we've seen glimpses of him hustling, doing the right things, trying to get on track. Little has been amazing in my opinion, just the way that yeah. he's come on, and um, he just has this like just ferocious attitude to like just playing. It, it, I don't even know if it's offense, defense. I can't really even equivalate to, to anything other than he just has this pizzazz and attitude about him that's like uh, fu kind of, and I love <laughs> yeah. that. And I think you well, need. Let me, that. Let me ask you a question that. about Nas real quick too. He could have been a top five draft pick this last year, right? That was kind of the hype and the rumor. And he yep. slid all the way down to us at 25. And again, the thought was that he would be the, the typical rookie in Portland is going to mostly sit on the bench. He shouldn't have even been in the rotation. He's been shoved uh, into rotation because of injuries, like we said. But he, like, and like you say, I completely agree. He has performed not just admirably. He's performed amazingly well. He's looked really good out there. And I am glad that we have Mello here. You can't argue with what he, like you said, um, the production he has given us so far is looking good but i want these minutes for nasir man i want to see this guy develop and it sounds like you're on the same page right yeah i mean i'd love to see them you know somehow figure out a way to put both of them on the court at the same time uh could he play small for you think uh i think i think you, you what you're talking about nas yeah nas. yeah i think nas should be able to play small forward i also think there there's a I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and this could be crazy. I know Melo has said in the past he doesn't want to play five, blah, 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 blah. Um, but to me, like, what would it hurt to do, like, a Melo at the five and Nas at the okay. four and um, try and float? I don't know who you put at the three then. Uh, that's the like only problem. Hood Once or, again, or a, maybe yeah. Hood. Yeah, and then you've got CJ and Dame. To me, at this point, uh, you can tell they're trying to mix up the lineups and change things to try and find something that can just work. And it just hasn't happened yet. And to me, it's like, there is two trains of thought here. Uh, you go like bigger, more physical. Um, you know, maybe Nas at the four, Mellow on the bench, um, and, and try and figure that out. But like, uh, in in this day and age in the NBA, you need shooting and you need guys that can shoot, hit open shots, things of that nature. And to me, if you spread the floor out and you have a Carmelo Anthony that can kind of stretch out the fives and bring him out of the paint, then you've got an opportunity there where, you know, a Nas or a CJ can penetrate the lane, um, maybe get a few more open shots or open buckets. Uh, Look, is it great? No. Defensively, it's horrible. I don't don't know how you even make that work. Maybe you have Nas guard fives. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) But, like, but but to me, it's, what would it hurt at this point to try out something where you stretch the floor out, you get all five guys that can shoot the basketball at some capacity and um, try and just make this Terry Stotts offense like hum. Uh, It would be interesting to see like a pick and roll opportunity with like a guy like Mello um, because then bigs have to kind of (laughs) decide who they're going to match up against. You know, are they going against Lillard or CJ or or Mello? 
Because we've uh, certainly not seen any pick and roll with uh, Whiteside. He's got zero of that going on. Oh, my gosh. And that's another problem, I think, too, in and of itself. And, look, I don't want to harp on harp on Whiteside too much. I kind of feel bad for the guy because I feel like he, he had a lot of um, uh, pressure on him to begin with. But yeah. uh, I, I just I, – I look back at that trade. It's like if they, if they have Harkless Amino and um, Myers Leonard, I, I don't think you're in this position, position at all. And uh, oh, I don't want to say, like – I don't want to say, like, Neil Olshay made a mistake because I, I've been on the Neil Olshay bandwagon for a long time. Oh, and, you have? Because uh, that's, that's definitely yeah, a controversial point, right? Very controversial. You know, because, look, <laughs> here's the thing. You know they have Damon CJ. They've maxed him out year after year, basically. They've given him all that they possibly can. And then they have the rest of the roster to work with. And he was given kind of a lackluster roster to begin with. So um, a, a roster with a lot of decisions to make. Let's put it that way. Sure. Yeah. And um, he's gone out, and like I mentioned, Rolo, Aminu, Harkless, these guys, like, out of the woodwork, have somehow performed higher than they've expected. And I think it's to, their, to his detriment, so much so because other teams are interested in them and they, they outplay their contract. And um, mm, so yeah, I, I think you see that a lot uh, with this team. And I think that's what you've. That, that's what was so f- surprising, I think, for everybody is, oh, Rodney Hood's going to be the next one. He's outplayed his contract. He's going to go sign somewhere else. And then he re-signs with Portland. You're like, what? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think I, this trade is going to haunt them. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't understand getting, you know, letting those guys walk and going out and getting Whiteside. I just, I... I, I like the idea. They were going for gusto. They were going for broke. But, man, um, has this backfired so far. Well, and the other factor is if Whiteside, again, we are, what, 17 games in. If if Whiteside can turn around and up his production, he his value, uh, anytime between December and the trade deadline in February, his value and that contract could could bring something back, right? Like it's a $27 or $28 million dollar contract. If he can play any uh any any sort of semblance of a, of a good center that a team would want or even if they don't want his production if they just want his contract to clear their books i feel like that uh we could still get something for it so there's, there's still a chance i think that the white side trade won't be too haunting for us long term but it certainly hasn't yeah. worked out the way that we hoped man i really thought that he'd be someone that could come in here uh be a good stop gap maybe expand the, the blazers offense give us an actual lob opportunity uh which we hardly ever see here we don't see a lot of uh, alley-oop dunks in portland but yeah, it's it's been disappointing just to see where he's gone at least again through these first seventeen games. Exactly, and I think when you look at um, I mean I, I just don't know any teams out there that would take that on, even if it's to, to free up salary cap space, you know, for the next season. Um, you talk about the contract and everything else. It's just yeah, it's tough to take on that much money without giving yeah. up somebody who's who's really good. And then yeah. you're talking about okay, are we giving rid of Anthony Simons, CJ, uh, you know, Nas? I, tell, I mean, I just go down the list. There's there's no other value. That's the problem. I guess I'm having is like okay, so let's say you didn't didn't get Whiteside, and I'm doing a theoretical here completely, but let's say you didn't get Whiteside, and, and you kept Leonard, Harkless, Aminu, you went over the salary cap to keep them all, re-signed them, whatever, and um, then you go out and, you know, you trade Aminu, Harkless, Myers, a first-round pick. 
I think that's pretty intriguing for a team. Like, you know, maybe maybe not maybe not Bradley Beal good, but like that next tier down. Is that mm. not like somewhat intriguing to an extent yeah. of pairing in enough of those pieces? Now maybe Whiteside's valuable because you know, like I said, the team wants this, this free salary cap space and wants to go out and get a free agent. But I just don't know if salary cap space, given what the NBA's cap structure looks like right now and how many teams are at the cap or over the cap, I, there's just not many teams that uh, I see that being as valuable as it may. One, maybe once was. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it is. It's been one of those things that I think has had a lot of value the last couple of seasons, but it's not guaranteed to stay that way. Uh, in in previous years or or kind of eras of NBA trades, it's been more about the draft picks, and maybe it kind of uh, yeah. leans back more that direction depending on how the draft stock is looking for the next season. It's it's tough, man. But hey, look, we haven't really talked about Anthony Simons. We mentioned him just now. He's been looking pretty solid, uh, and I think as far as those those young values between. Between Ant, between Zach Collins, between Nasir Little, uh, I mean, and you mentioned CJ too, but I feel like I'm forgetting someone on this list. But we don't have a lot of pieces, and I don't think that we can really afford to get rid of someone like like uh, Ant or, or Zach right now, or even Nas, man. With how well he's performing, I feel like you got to kind of hold on to that as much as possible, just so we have something waiting in the wings. Uh, but honestly, what that comes back to in my mind, I'm not trying to push this, is the idea of can we move CJ? Would there be some way of packaging the white side or the Bazemore expiring contract with CJ or something like that and trying to use that to bring someone back? But again, the numbers we're talking about at that point are just huge. You'd have to have such a huge uh, salary come back. <laughs> 40, 45 million, 50 million, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. That's a lot of money uh, in two players. Yeah, you're basically getting like a whole roster back. Um, potentially, depending on who you're getting back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been on the... I, look, I, I I guess I have bias in this, and I've admitted it a bajillion times, but uh, CJ is just one of the first people that I got to know when I came to Portland. Or when oh, he yeah? came to Portland. And, uh, yeah, like, right after he was drafted, before he was drafted. Um, and uh, so, he actually, he was one of the first players to reach out to me to, to do an interview and stuff like that as well. So he's just been day one kind of supporter and, uh, has always been great to me. And, and I just, I, I can't see the blazers without CJ. I I just, I, I, it's it's very hard for me to envision now is, could it happen? Absolutely. It's a business. That's what it is. Um, I I still think the pairing of CJ and Dame works. It's just, you just don't have enough around them. And I agree. um, I completely agree. I think at some point, it's been too many years. Uh, you have to pull the plug on the rest of the roster um, mm. at some point. Now, what is it? Is it now? No, probably not. But like at the end of the season, if Whiteside's still on the roster, you say let him go. Um, you know, and you know you free up as much salary cap space as you can. You go out and try and get that third free agent. You go out and try and make a good draft pick, and I think that changes the roster dramatically and I, and hopefully. Um, it makes a difference, but to me, like right now as it stands, it's just very tough for me to see uh, CJ or Dame getting traded just because they're both Olshay guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the value that they put on those guys is much higher than probably a lot of other teams in the NBA. Um, you know, the the, uh, the realistic trade uh, opportunity is Kevin Love. I mean, everybody's talked about it a bajillion times, but I just I feel like that's just a match made in heaven at some point. I don't know if it's now, if it's next year. It just Kevin seems Love like that's great. 
Kevin Love or even LaMarcus Aldridge. I feel like they, with the way the Spurs are going and oh, yeah. some rumors going around there too, I feel like either of those could be someone to look out for. But I agree. I, I don't think CJ is going anywhere. I don't think it's the likely thing to go. And, you know, we touched on the young guys briefly. I, I don't see them making a, a a big move with Anthony Simons involved either. I just, I think they, they I think they their intention him. is to hold on to those guys. What was that? They love him. I mean, that that's, you know, that's their guy. He's, he's, he's only a few years in. Give him a chance, you know. That's that's the only thing that's kind of interesting to me is they, they really uh, they're really patient with these guys. Um, yeah. You know, that's dating back to CJ. I mean, look, Wesley yep. Matthews was in front of CJ for the longest. Now, what CJ was injured for a little bit, but still, Wesley was way ahead of CJ in the depth chart at the time, and people were saying CJ was a bust and this and that. Um, hmm. Yeah, right. When we hadn't really seen him, so I mean, I think uh, you know, at some point if you're talking about Anthony Simons as the best draft pick to ever come through Portland and he's the most athletic and he's this and that and the other thing, at some point you'd have to think that they just start playing the guy out and out and, and really right. giving him the full opportunity. And I think same yeah. with Nas, you know, at some point in the season you have to kick the tires on just the young guys and say, okay, just run out the young guys, see what we have, and let's yeah, what go we got through here? the season this way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can see it happening. And I again, you know, the season is not lost. It's a long season left to go. We just no. have to make sure we are adjusting expectations and maybe not buying fully into all of the uh, all the spiel that we get from the front office in the beginning of the year <laughs> about it being the championship run when we had uh, literally one layer of defense at one of our five uh, five slots, the power forward slot. Let's uh, let's talk about talk about something a little more lighthearted before I let you go, man. And thank you so much for coming on, Oliver. It's been really fun uh, talking to you and hearing about all this stuff. Uh, everything from your your history with Dime and Big Three and and uh, you know honestly I got I got to be real about this I didn't expect the Blazer insight man I wasn't really sure uh, how close you were able to follow the team or if it was more of kind of the the national interest from you so I appreciate all this dude it's been uh it's been nice let's uh I mean I live in about- Portland I'm I'm around so I've, I've been to a few Portland games hey. this season Gennaro Gennaro Pargo assistant coach on the Blazers is a good friend of mine so uh, I try and go to as many games as I can. Well, perfect, man. You're just uh, you're opening this up. I'm just gonna have to get you in here all the time, and you're gonna I'm gonna be hounding you for connections <laughs> for all my new guests. <laughs> there we uh, go. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the city uniform, though. Did you see the new jersey they released? I did. Uh, I did. I had a quote from Brooke Olsendam on here. The she said the design was a mashup of our team's first two uniforms from the seventy seventy one season and the seventy one seventy five seasons seventy one to seventy five, along with some modern design accents and vintage coloring. I like this look, man. I think it's a pretty sweet looking jersey. They got the old retro uh, fonts on there. The one thing that confused me, and you have seen a lot more jerseys around uh, over the ages as well as other teams. Maybe you have a better idea on whether this is normal. I'm a little confused by the 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 font on the front and on the back are different colors, and I think maybe even different uh, kind of fonts themselves. The lettering uh, I'm talking about. Is that normal? I, I feel like I would wanted to see either white letters on front and back or black on front and back. It's weird to see like either white or red on front and then something different on the other side. Does that throw you off yeah, as much? It's, it's weird. It does throw it does throw me off. It does bring me back old school though, because it makes me remind oh, really? like Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just um that the t shirts weren't made as quality, but like it reminds me of like, you know, when you washed the shirt for the first time way back in the day. And it okay. just like changed colors. That's kind of what it reminds me of. So I don't know if that's what they're trying to get after. I doubt it. But like to me, uh, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the the color changes from one side to the other. But uh, hey, you know, they try and reinvent these things all the time. And uh, why not try it out? 
<laughs> yeah, they got they got to do. It's always having the new, new new designs out. Excuse me, there. Uh, the one that I really liked recently, a few years back, was the the kind of semi plaid. It wasn't really plaid. But it was like the kind of black on black with a somewhat of the the plaid pattern going. But I would love to see something more like that, more in that direction, one of these years, like an actual like let's go black with some red checkered or pad pattern in there to really kind of get that that blazer retro reference. But what about you? Uh, I guess two questions for you actually. One would be what would you rather see as far as the Blazers? Uh, like, what would be kind of your dream jersey you'd like to see them put out if you could be a little more creative than they have been? Uh, and the other one is, uh, I guess, uh, these city jerseys going up around the NBA. I've seen a couple others, I'm sure you have as well, that didn't really quite put it together as well, didn't quite come together, I think, in a in a, in a cool design as much as they were hoping for. But uh, So I guess, yeah, f- first things first, though, what about the Blazer one? Like, what do you think would be the ideal uh, Blazer jersey to put out there? What were you looking for? Oh, putting you on the spot. <laughs> I, I'd love to see the all black and I'd love to see all white, oh. like completely, oh, okay. all white, completely all black. Uh, I, I like just the plain as I know it sounds bad, but I love just a plain uniform or like a very, very subtle, uh, subtle color scheme, I guess you could say. Um, okay. You know, I've always loved like all black Jordans. All right. Yeah, I got you. um, Things like that. So, I mean, like maybe do like the you know with the letters in black too, where you could barely read. Yeah, I don't know. I I just find that cool. Kind of like that pinwheel one or the kind of like that plaid one they did, where it was like the black on black pattern. I could see them doing that. Sorry to cut you off. Exactly. Yeah, and they had the they had the white outline. I think on those ones. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm totally I'm totally for just like the plain Jane colors. Uh, I know it sounds bad, but yeah, no that sort of thing. Or if you're gonna go like colorful and crazy, man, those Miami Heat jerseys. <clears throat> yeah. Um, there you go. Gosh. The vice. The vice. Ones? Yeah, those are just incredible. Uh, yeah, get, get, like just figure out a way to reel in. You know, you could take the PDX carpet, and you could like <laughs> have it as like the the Miami Vice colors, and basically do like a, a secondary version of the Miami Vice for Portland, and do that. The, those are pretty I like fresh. It. So. I could see yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I got to just throw this out there. I know it's probably kind of a, a low, low-hanging low fruit as far as a punchline, but one of the other city jerseys that came out here that I feel like is just not just not flying for me is the Dallas one. Did you see the Mavericks one they put out? Where it was oh, like, oh, it's so ugly. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's so bad. Get, me, get it out of here. Get it out <laughs> like of here. I love the, Dallas. The I love the way they're playing right now, but, oh, brutal. The one I like <laughs> is the Grizzlies one. I just wish, uh, I think, who was it that, that pointed these out? Uh, they don't play in the same city, so you can't really like. Y- yeah. Yeah. I, oh, it was Casey Holdall that pointed it out. Uh, he he's like, yeah, you, I love these jerseys, but um, you know, uh, when you're not playing in the city that these jerseys originated from, uh, that doesn't really uh, bode well for the for the um, the city jerseys. So yeah, the Vancouver Grizzlies ones were were pretty, or I guess they're Memphis Grizzlies ones, but they're from the Vancouver Grizzlies days. Uh, those are fresh. I like those a lot. You know, let, let me actually, yeah, let's uh, let's tie some of that into with what you're talking about with the Blazer jersey. I I don't mind the the Portland carpet thing, the PDX carpet thing, and I'm definitely a fan of the pinwheel. But I think overall, I feel like some of the jerseys we've seen put out around the league, these ones have had culture. There's been some of these places that have had like a real connection to the city or some really cool cultural tie-in. The Biggie jerseys uh, in in Brooklyn, right? I think is. Oh, they're great. Uh, 
why like we've got culture here in Portland, man. We've got a music scene. We've got a lot around here. I feel like we could tie in other than just the Portland carpet or the general Blazers logo of the pinwheel. Uh, is there anything else that we can come up with? I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like there's got to be some sort of uh, nice kind of cultural heritage or something we could tie to. But I guess the other problem is there's also a lot of kind of historical uh, stuff you want to stay away from <laughs> around the Northwest. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the bridges, the bridges are cool, but yeah, yes, bridges. Um, and then you've got row, the rows, I think would be pretty live if you could somehow figure out a way to implement a rose in there. Uh, yeah. a floral print, print of some sort. I don't know how people would feel about that, but something like that would be kind of interesting. Honestly, I bet the floral thing could get some attention, dude. Cause there's a lot of, uh, if you look at the players and some of the patterns, like even some of the special shoe designs that come out, there's been some, yeah. uh, some kind of florally kind of looking ones. I could see that the Rose city and the bridge city thing too. That feels like those, those would be great Titans. I want to see them, see some jerseys oh, like that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I know they need to be more, more unique with that. I think at this point, uh, I'm trying to think of something else that you could possibly do. I mean, it, it's tough. Uh, there isn't, uh, I mean like trees, is that like, I don't yeah. know. You know, like the Cascadia um, thing. They do that with timbers, right? Kind of the, the tree yeah, silhouettes. Yeah. Do some tree silhouettes. You could do something like the Matthew Knight Arena, just a better version. Let's put it that way. There you way. go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, I'm trying to think of other options. Gosh, that, now it makes me interested to kind of dive into other important uh, things here. I'm trying to. Right? Well, yeah, well you know bridges. what we'll do. You know what we'll do is we'll have to have you back on uh, there we go. when when we've both done some research and come up with these ideas uh, for the other jerseys. And what we will do is throw this to our listeners, let them know, and ask them for any of their ideas. I, I'm sure some people out there have some great Shoot historical knowledge yeah. as far as what's around town. Uh, but Oliver, Oliver Maroney, man, thank you so much. Our our local big three Wodge, uh, Woge, excuse me. <laughs> uh, Wodge, there you yeah. go, that's better. Yeah, I was mixing in Waz, <laughs> Waz Lambre and, and Woj together. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on and chatting, dude. It's been really fun having you. And thank you for uh, sticking around. I know that Ty was really excited that he wanted to be here for this and he had to jet uh, the last minute before the interview. But uh, we'll, we'll have to get you back on soon, dude. Thank you so Let's much. do it, man. Anytime, anytime. Always around. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and uh, hopefully the Blazers can turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah. F first of many times having you on. And uh, Blazers, man, there's lots of season left. If listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media, is there uh, a good Twitter handle, best way to reach you? Oh, Maroney, big three. I just changed it, actually. I got the uh, stamp of approval to change it, so I got the approval to do that. And, uh, yeah, so Oh, Maroney, big three. It was Oh, Maroney, NBA, so you may recognize me from that. But uh, Oh, Maroney, okay. big three on Instagram, Twitter, basically wherever you uh, wherever you want and my dms are always open uh, i think we talked about it at the beginning of the episode but like you know um if anybody has any questions or uh wants to you know whatever um you know have me edit pieces or look at things i'm always all ears to that sort of stuff i try and help wherever i can and give back as much as i possibly can because everybody else did it for me so um yeah uh, omar any big three is where you can find me Amen, dude. Like for sure, it's that's it's so awesome to hear. And I gotta say real quick too, before I let you go, that I've had real similar experience as well as far as just having people that have helped me out uh, as I've been trying to get into the in, into the NBA and into broadcasting and just everything in the business in general. Uh, people reaching out and kind of paying it forward like that is the best thing. It makes a world of difference for a lot of people that that want to do this and just don't have the the best ends for it. So thank you, Oliver, for uh, for doing your best to pay it forward. Hey, man, anytime. I appreciate you guys having me and uh, definitely look forward to coming back on the show for sure. Thank you.
Welcome back. All right, so uh, first things first, let's jump into the listener poll. Uh, we put out a poll before the game last night. Now that we've seen what Mellow can do, which Mellow do you think the Blazers got? The choices were Olympic Mellow, Hoodie Mellow, or Houston Mellow. Uh, I voted Hoodie Mellow, by the way, on the poll. You vote Hoodie? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I think that's about where it is, man, because we are seeing him take his shots. He's getting some assists. He had four assists uh, in his second game with us. He's rebounding a little while. He's, He's rebounding. He- yeah, yeah. He's yelling some of those curse words while he's grabbing those rebounds. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, dude, it's hilarious. Um, no, and, and yeah, it's, this is not Olympic Mellow. He's definitely not doing it all. No. Okay, well, here, first of all, it's uh, the, the, the poll. Everyone agrees with uh, you and I, Ty. 64% of our votes uh, said Hootie Mellow, shoot and score, is the one that we got. Uh, the Olympic Mellow, the does-it-all version, 32% said that that's what we, what we have, and only 5% said that we have the Houston Mellow, the 10 games or less uh, discount deal. Uh, that's good. It's good that we don't have Houston Mellow. Uh, it would have been cool to get Olympic Mellow, especially with some of the injuries Perfect. we're dealing with. It would be nice to have someone that could come in, let Dame not have to play 37 minutes in a, mm-hmm. in a losing effort last night. What? Uh, and then, I mean, and he also has a bad back, so yeah. that's always fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, injured Dame playing 37 minutes in a, in a poor game. That was fun. We'll get to that. We'll talk more about that Cavs game in a <sighs> second. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as the Olympic Mellow, Hoodie Mellow, and Houston Mellow, if he's going to be a Blazer for a little while, if he's going to be here at least through January, I think we need to start using this as a scale. I think uh, this is going to be a good measurement uh, yep. for, for our, our, our game-by-game temperature takes. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We did have one responder in here, at Trevon R8501. New, uh, new listener, new responder, I think. I don't think we've seen that uh, tag in here before. No, but he, I like it. But he counters with OKC Mellow. Uh that's fair. What do you do? You see a difference between OKC Mellow and Houston Mellow? Like, where is he at? Where is he, he falling on that scale? He might be the same Mellow who just was on the team longer. I mean, he was on that team the whole year with OKC. He was on Houston for eight games. So, I mean, he was he was all right with OKC. He had spurts. He had some games throughout the season where he looked like like the all you can or like whatever like the like the big Showtime Mellow Olympic Mellow. Uh, or- yeah, he had a couple games in OKC where he looked like Olympic Mellow. Okay, but. There wasn't very much. He he didn't do very well. Um, I know there was a couple games. I I remember one game we played the Thunder where he was on defense or not on defense. I think he was just on the court and him being on there like gave the Blazers the win. Like I remember like they kept attacking him on defense and he couldn't do anything. And then on offense, he kept taking like bad threes and bad turnaround jump shots, like just stopping the ball, which I was like, thank you, Melo, because I'm pretty sure we were down like nine with like two minutes or something like that. And it was a big comeback and he had a lot to do with it. So. So you're not you're not saying that OKC Mellow is as good as Olympic Mellow. You're saying like it might no, have, he's not. He just stuck around a little bit longer. So it's so like OKC Mellow is like uh, spurts of Olympic, but probably not as good as Hoodie. Because like for me, Hoodie Mellow is the one in the gym, right? The one in the. New I York think you had a chance to see workouts. each of the Mellows when you're in OKC because he was there <laughs> for like 70 games or whatever. So I think there was times where he was all three. Well, and and OKC Mellow also had to be the one who had the most pride. Like he didn't know his role yet, and that's why I, that's no. why I don't think that. We have him here. I feel like he knows a little more so far from the small sample size we've had. Uh, I feel like Melo recognizes a little more of who he is and who he isn't. Then again, we're seeing him going up for some dunks. He's taking on like he's taking I on two it. dudes at the rim. Uh, he still got that confidence. <laughs> yeah, he does. He definitely does. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting. But I think we'll uh, we'll have to maybe use that. Listeners, you can write us in actually anything that you have, any sort of questions you want debated, uh, like any sort of true false or yes knows. Give us those kind of. Uh, 
those questions, and we will give it an answer of Olympic Mellow, Hoodie Mellow, Oklahoma Mellow, or Houston Mellow. That is a tongue tire as well. That's uh, or about Denver Nugget Mellow. Oh, oh, just the throwback <laughs> Mellow, the young. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that, that's fine, man. There, I know there's a, a, a Carmelo scale out there already. We've got our Mellow scale. Yep. I, I think that our this is Mellow scale. Yes. The <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, we're doing that. The TC Mellow Scale. All right, uh, next up, let's touch on the Fantasy League a little bit. It's been going super awesome for me this week. I've been taking down Christian Gamelin. Shout out to him over from the Peeps in, Pla- uh, Peeps in Plaid podcast. Mr. Whiteside by the Lillards is his team. 800 points. Not bad. Not a bad production from him so far this week uh, before Sunday today. But uh, my How Could You Be Mo Harkless, uh, they are rocking 1085 on the scoreboard this Neighbors. week. Man. We're crushing it, and we've I've got up. four guys up today. Uh, I'm 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 feeling good, dude. I'm, I got I got Clint Capella playing today. Dorian Finney-Smith. They've been putting up numbers, so I'm pretty stoked on it. I, I think I've got this one locked. And uh, what about you, Ty? How's your weekly matchup going? Where are you at? I am up. Uh, I'm playing the fast and the curry. I can't see the, the fast and the, the fast. Curious. Yeah, the fast and the curry. As his name was so long, it it went off the screen. You know whose team that is. Mr. Danny Moran. That is right. <laughs> nice I'm one. beating him right now. Oh, crushing. I am up basically 900 to 576, I think. I My fantasy basketball app is not opening. Yep, yep. Uh, I was you, looking you at are, it today. You're at 899 to his 576. Oh, there we go. 900, basically. I got that. Uh, he's, and then he's got um, James, I made some moves this uh, I made some moves this week. I picked up, uh, I had to drop some hurt players. I picked up Seti Osman. Okay, okay. I picked oh, up... He, he did all right. He's been giving me some decent points. I picked up Kai Bowman from the Golden State Warriors because now he's just getting minutes. And I picked up Mr. Uh, I think it was, oh gosh, who was it? It was Etwan Moore from the Pelicans. That's who it was. And he's been he's been putting up some points. So I made some little shifty GM moves. Um, you can call me the Bob Myers of the Fantasy League. And here I am picking up guys, role players to fill some spots. And we're winning the game, so looks good. It does look good. Uh, what's your record so far? Where are you at? I'm I'm two and two. Two and two, nice, nice. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I split last week with with Stargate as well, but I'll be up. I'll be above 500 this week. Uh, I feel good about it. Uh, shout out to Christian. Sorry for uh, giving you the beat down, but someone had to take it. Thank you for. Uh, for someone had to do it. Uh, and hey, you know, I think in general, I feel like people are doing pretty well. I haven't seen too many roster lineups that have been totally not set. So thank you guys for all staying active. We have a 20 team league, and I feel like people are actually somewhat fairly playing the game. It's not, at least so far through four weeks, it has not gone to autopilot quite yet. Speaking of, we have our first trade. And yes, I, I, you know, uh, it has gone through. I I might have had to force this one myself. Actually, actually, Keith, I think you're wrong. You're the second trade. Oh, really? Who else had a trade? I don't know. Someone made a trade a couple weeks ago. No way. Did I miss that and not even announce it? Mm-hmm. Oh, guys, you got to call me on this stuff. I'm going to scroll through the history real quick and find this here. I was so excited to be the first. I don't see anyone that else did, that did it. See all the you got to look up. You, there's a trade there. Someone made a trade. Yeah. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Like, look, at the, look at the second or third week. Okay, hold on. I'm going back here. I'm going back. Roster waiver, what roster waiver? These are all transactions. Add drop transactions. Roster, roster, roster. Nothing? Am I just crazy? I don't see it. I don't see it, bro. I think you're crazy. Oh, I swear I saw one. <laughs> Maybe not. Oh, wait. Never mind. Never mind. Didn't, did it wasn't one? No, I forgot I joined some random basketball league. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's great. That's fine. Hey, I'll cut out all that other dead space, but I'm leaving that part in there. <laughs> Psych. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Uh, so Keith, you have the first trade. Okay, yeah. So it was the first trade. It was the first trade of our league. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of had to force this one through. I. It, it, it was, I did not, I was not sneaky about anything. I will be honest. It was between uh, my wife and I. Shout out to Abby. Hey! Uh, she is running her team, uh, the Better Call Gasols. And I think they're doing pretty well this year, too, actually, so far. Uh, but Abby had three Raptors on her roster. I had three Bucks. Uh, and my dudes are putting up about 15 fantasy points a game. And, and Norman Powell's put up 19. So I gave her Dante DiVincenzo and Garrett Temple for Norman Powell. It clears up her schedule. It clears up both of our schedules. Uh, and she, my roster was a little deeper. She had some uh, some dead weight on the end of hers, and this gets rid of some of that. So I would say it is a superbly balanced trade, if I do say so myself. Are you complaining about this, tie? You calling me out? Um, nope, I'm not. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's move on. I agree. <laughs> All right, that's enough Fantasy League for that. Uh, and again, hey, thanks for all setting your lineups, guys. 20 active teams. I'm having fun with this. Uh, and the trade wall has been broken. Let's get more trades going now. I'm, I'll propose a few more. I got some more roster depth here that I can uh, unload with my 1,000-point uh, weeks going on. I, I got room to spare. So if you guys need some help, you just let me know. You come to you come to Papa Keith, and I'll, I'll see what I can oh, hand out no. to you. <laughs> oh, no. All right, game review time. Let's uh, let's talk about the last week of basketball. Ty, uh, how did we do with uh, with last week's predictions? Uh, not good, Keith. Um, we last week went over, I don't remember the lines that we, uh, set. Um, we'll have to maybe go back and start keeping better track of that. But I do know that I thought the Blazers would go at least three and two on their road trip, which, which we started last Sunday, our, was our podcast. So we did Houston, Pelicans, Bucks, and Cavs. I thought they would lose to Houston. I figured that line might be eight or nine points, six. I don't remember. I think it was around there, maybe seven. Uh, Pelicans, I thought we'd be favored by one or two going into that game. Lost that. Yeah. Bucks, <laughs> I did not did not feel good about that game anyway, and that proved right. And then um, the Cavs. Yeah, you got that one which, right though. At least you you were you had a, an accurate prediction with the Bucks game. We we knew what that one was gonna feel. <laughs> that one how it opened up. Yes, and then the Cavs game, which. I can't even. I can't believe they lost that game. Yeah, I lost some hurts. good money on the Blazers. Ah. I'm no longer. I'm no longer betting on the Blazers. I will officially be fading the Blazers, which means I will be <laughs> not betting them, or I'll be betting against them uh, for the time being. Oh, it's crushing. Uh, that was not a good sports night for me last night, Keith, with the Blazers losing to the Cavs, losing my sports bets, the Beavers breaking my heart with like five seconds left in the game. But the one thing that got me through the night, helped me sleep like a baby was the Ducks losing. So. Oh, really? See, I thought I would have been the only one excited about that. I don't I, know. I, I'm, I'm go, obviously- Go Sun Devils. Go Sun Devils, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Sparky. <laughs> Wait, so what's your, uh, I, I didn't realize that you uh, that you have a- I am a Beaver believer. A Oregon beaver? State, I oh. went, it's my family's been Beaver fans my entire life. I went down to Corvallis for a couple of years, lived down there. Uh, I have a lot of friends who still go down there. I got friends on the team. So I am a beaver believer through and through. Or bleed orange and black. Always have. Always will. And it's been a rough 23 years being a beaver and blazer, a, a beaver and blazer fan. But <laughs> I this may, has made me a better man. It has made yes. me a stronger man. And eventually when I am 30, 40, or 50 years old and they are the best team in the world, I'll be hopefully more humble. <laughs> no promises though. Hey, hey, when it when it's our turn, we just gotta rant yeah. over. <laughs> well, no, that's that's good, man. Look, I I uh, I gotta say, you just you probably just cut our guest uh, our guest 
pool in half with saying that no, no, we can't get any more Ducks fans on the show at this point. But hey, now we got all the, all the Beaver fans can come on. Bring uh, on the Duck fans. It, funny though, how I uh, I totally I didn't even. It shows that I went to ASU, obviously, that I was so out of touch with the Beaver and, and Duck thing that I heard you say that uh, you were br- uh, brokenhearted about the Beavers game, and that did not trip for me instantly that, oh, he doesn't care about the Ducks then. If he's, if, why is that divide so strong, man? Like, what's your insight? To, like, it, it's why, because well, just, just support for me, sports. for me, it's not even do that. I'm all right with the Ducks, honestly, now. I'm fine with them. Uh, I mean, a little, little side tangent. I'm fine with them now. They don't piss me off as much as when they used to with Chip Kelly and all that. But my biggest thing was I am in a small town here in Malala and I have a bunch of people who basically barely graduated high school, but they want to act like they went to the University of Oregon and are the biggest diehard Duck fans in the world when they didn't even (laughs) go to college. They can't even, I at least went to Corvallis, stuff like that. So it's just the fans, they, they are not nice when they win, when they lose, they're just full of excuses. Us as Beaver fans, we're used to losing, so we, <laughs> when we win, we don't get so up in arms. But we're just like, wow, awesome. We're used to losing. The Ducks fans aren't used to losing, so they're just they're just mean. They're, they're just they're, mean about it. And I'm sorry, Duck fans, you come fans. at me, and I think you might be different. I don't mind the Ducks anymore because now that I don't go to high school or I'm not around a ton of people all the time, I don't have to get as much crap about the Beavers or Ducks. I can just go hide away from people. <laughs> so that's fine. I honestly don't mind the Ducks. They're they're really good, uh, but it made me to see them lose because I can now laugh at my friends who like to give me crap about the Beavers, and especially losing to a team that the Beavers beat. It gives me oh, a little bit of nice. a little bit of pride, a little bit of hope for when the Civil War happens. And Rub that salt, yeah, yeah. All on. No, okay. So, so, uh, so send all hate mail to at Ty Delbridge. Bring it, bring it to me. <laughs> we'll talk Beavers Ducks. No, so I, I uh, shout out to uh, to Ryan Witty over at the Blazer Tag Podcast. I was with him uh, celebrating his birthday last night over at Top Golf. We were watching all the screens, all the sports, and there, I was with a whole bunch of Ducks fans. And I, of course, had to tell them all that I was a, a former Sun Devil, and that was a, a nice moment of glares and having a walk away quickly but uh we had a lot of fun man are you a golfer at all do you go um i don't i've been in top golf a couple times though top golf was fun i i've i've golfed a bit when i was younger and this was my first time at top golf it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with that uh the target shooting was kind of interesting because i'm definitely not the most accurate golfer i can hit it pretty far Mm -hmm. but uh hitting a straight line not always guaranteed uh it was a good time though shout out to ryan though happy birthday sir uh happy birthday uh jeremy barrett uh let's review his uh prediction last week too we talked about uh, at Barrett Jeremy, he sent us a prediction for the road trip. He said he thought we would go four and one. Uh, Houston would be close, uh, beaten by three. Pelicans, uh, we, uh, we would, let's see, what do you say? Pelicans, we will get to possibly see our new edition of Mellow and we'll win that one. Milwaukee, probably lose. Uh, so, like him, like his prediction was right about where ours was, I think. We felt pretty good overall. Thought some of the games would be close but would fall in our favor. And, like you said, Ty, it's, uh, we didn't. We haven't gone back and done the research for what our betting lines were last week. We should probably do that in the future to kind of compare and see exactly how accurate we can get with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it'll be a lot more fun to keep track of those lines when we win some of them, when we have some of these yes. games falling in our favor. Because even if we're yes, accurate, man, like we predicted the Milwaukee game right, obviously. But that's not fun. That's not fun to no, be like, yeah, that's we'll lose this one. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to those lines, though. It'll definitely uh, it'll get turned around. Uh, and I... I do still have hope in this season, man. I I feel like we're not even 20 games in yet. It certainly is not going to be a championship year, which is kind of what some of the expectations were set at by the team and all the rest of that. Uh, We talked about that with Oliver, you know. But, uh, yeah, I I think there's still a lot of fun basketball to look forward to with our young guys and lots of other stuff. So, you know, it's uh, hopefully get some wins along the way. 
You're more optimistic than me at the moment, Keith. That's good. <laughs> well, what about this week, man? We got some winnable games coming up. Yes, we got. Uh, we play the Bulls tomorrow night. Then we play the Thunder. Yeah. And then we come home again, or and then we come home finally, and we play the Bulls again. So two games against the Bulls. Two should be winnable games, but at this point now, I don't. I <laughs> don't know with the Blazers. <laughs> I don't know with the Blazers. Like I should be looking at this Bulls game tomorrow and going. The Blazers should be favored by four or five going in that game but i don't even know i don't know what vegas so on espn right now they don't have any lines set or anything but there's a consensus picking where like they predict or whatever uh-huh. and it's basically split it's it's the matchup predictor is is it's, so portland 50 percent is portland and then 49.1 percent is chicago jeez so. Okay. Well, so right now, not even like so the national people, <laughs> nine national people are. So I honestly think the Blazers might open up as like a one point favorite against the Bulls. Okay. Okay. Minus and, one. You're saying a minus one. And I would one? say take that, but again, <laughs> but you don't want to bet on the Blazers. Okay. I'm not I'll betting on it. the Blazers. That's right. You're setting this line. I will take that line. Uh, so so that yeah that, that's that's a good way to, that we can do this as we, as we refine our process here with our, our betting line and our, our formula. Um, you'll set the line and I'll choose which side I'm on each week and we will go there back next week and, and review. I'm taking the Blazers, man. Uh, and and th- this works because you've obviously got the betting line, uh, the formula and the the calculations going over there, and I just have the the Blazer fanhood, the blind <laughs> Blazer fanhood that is going to be like, yeah, I'll take that one point uh, for the Blazers. And hopefully I have the they- statistics and my Blazer fanhood. That is hurting me <laughs> look, at the moment. Look, they can't win by less than one. So if I'm going to say the Blazers are winning <laughs> against the Bulls, it's going to be by a point or more. So I'll take that that side of the bet. What's next? What's that? That's the that's then they the, go to the Thunder. Yes, and that's two the days end of the later, road trip. Finally, they play the Thunder, and I think the Thunder will be favored by three to four points. Oof. Okay. I'll say three and a half. We'll just set it there. Saying Thunder favored okay. by so so the line is at three and a half uh, for the Thunder. For the thunder. Um, so I'm going plus three on the Blazers for as far as writing this down. Uh, gosh, I, so the fan side of me wants to say that, yeah, Thunder will probably win, but maybe it's a super close game. Maybe they only win by a point or two, but honestly, that's crushing. It almost rather would have it be a thing where the, if the Thunder are going to win, have them win by seven or eight. So it's like, okay, you know, this game was slightly behind, we were behind the whole time or whatever. Uh, okay. But okay. So Portland at Thunder and you're saying the line's three, you're setting it at three. Yeah, I'm saying three and a half. Oh, three and a so half. So they have to okay. win by four. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, that, that's good enough for me then. That extra extra half point. The Thunder would have to win by four. So if the Thunder win by less than four, the Blazers take it. I'll, I'll take the Blazers on that then. I'm on the Blazers All side. Right. All right. Keeping this right. fan friendly. <laughs> All right. There we go. Keeping hope alive. And then, <laughs> and then two days later after that, they come home and yes. play the Bulls again. Homecoming. Let's do this. I- I say the Blazers will be favored by. I'll I'll take the. I'm trying to think, they haven't been good at home, but still home. I'll say three and a half again. I I kind of want to say four, but I'll say three and a half. You we'll say the Blazers by three and a half. Okay, okay. Blazers three and a half on that. That's a nicer line. That's a line that makes a fan feel good. That's a good way to bring the the team home, man. I like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I gotta take Blazers on that one. Why even debate this? The, I, I think if we're if we're gonna win the game, we gotta win by four points. We can uh, we can make that happen because if we're winning by less than four, that's gonna be uh, an uncomfortable game at home. Uh, I want I want to see good basketball by the Blazers. I want to see Melo go off here. I want to see uh, the fans get to welcome him. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Okay, I'm good with that. That would be nice. 
quick shout out to to uh, Jacob K, uh, our buddy over from the the Thunder podcast. He wrote us the other day, and I think he's trying to line something up for uh, for that game midweek uh, against the Thunder. Uh, maybe a little post game pod. Uh, so if that all works out, keep your eyes peeled on your pod catchers and your um, ears open. Yes. Oh yeah. M- much ears are much more important for a podcast than eyes. Honestly, at least until we get this on YouTube with Tori and the Uprise Network. Shout out to them. I love shout outs, man. Now that I have a shout out sound effect, I'm pretty happy with. I I, I love the shout out. So give them all all episode as much as we can. Okay. Uh, speaking of shout out to our new segment. Not really. It's not a person. You can't shout out a segment. But Ty, why don't you uh, take us into which is more likely? What, what should we call this? Let's get a name for the segment. Like, what, what's our more likely segment, segment going to be? I don't know. Which is, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe someone should tweet us at what the name should be. Because right now we're just rolling with which is more likely, which yeah. is pretty basic. But, you know? Yeah, it's an either or. But yeah, give us your, give us your names. We've got, someone let us know. We've got one segment to go off with that, the, hood, the, mellow, the mellow temperature scale. Uh, That's true. But yeah, let's let's get a, uh, some fan sub- submissions in here for which is more likely a good name for this segment. Uh, but yeah, I have I wrote one this morning uh, on the on the outline. I have which is more likely uh, so the Blazers missing the playoffs or the Blazers making a huge trade with their like expiring contracts and young players. I, oh to, boy. and I'm and then I'm guessing that trade is like a win now trade to right right and get into the playoffs. I want it to be that one. I, I, I want something to happen here. I want some shakeup to happen where we can get rid of some of these big expiring contracts uh, before they before they have no value. And I'm talking about Whiteside. I'm talking about, I mean, Mel's not an expiring contract, but at least his roster spot. Uh, free that up just like Powell freed up his uh, and get rid of Whiteside. And I don't want to get rid of Bazemore. I didn't want to have to, but I would rather get rid of Bazemore than give up too much of our young talent because then we'd be talking about Anthony Simons and Zach I'm Collins. on team no trade Collins, Little, or Simons. Okay, yeah, but so if you're not trading Simons, Little, or Collins, who do we? I mean, is Gary Trent the young talent that we have? I, left? I I see Gary Trent getting traded this year. Um, I see him getting traded, kind of like Noah Vonley did. You know how Noah Vonley just kind of got traded to the Bulls. Yeah. I don't think they'll do it as much. Like they just gave Noah away, which really pissed me off. I remember when that happened. I think I see them making a small trade with Gary Trent. I see them. I think they'll either move him to a team just for like a second round pick. They'll either move him for like a veteran role player who's on like a smaller contract i see them doing something small with gary trent jr i could i could see that and maybe if you can package gary trent jr with uh white sides contract or something like that and his trade value has gone up yeah he's played very well the last couple games yeah and and maybe that is why we're kind of seeing more of him on the floor maybe they're trying to kind of up his value a little bit there so look for that kind of move hopefully uh like white side baysmore gary trent and picks or something like that to try and bring something in here but the other side of it, man, to be totally honest, I don't know if 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 I don't know if we can get enough value from those two expirings and just Gary Trent to bring someone back here that's going to be a win now kind of move. Like in, like it's you need these deals to happen before the trade deadline. I don't think we're going to have a healthy enough roster before the trade deadline or a good enough record necessarily to think, oh yeah, let's make a win now move and get far. You can't have a win now move be something that's just getting us into the playoffs, right? Like if, if it's just something about being like an eighth seed that's not really. I don't know. I would hope not. I would hope not. At at the same time, like they... uh, Sorry, I'm cutting you off. What were you saying? No. I would say I would just hope not because, I mean, what would you rather? Like, get into the playoffs in the eighth seed and just get completely destroyed or at least fall into that lottery range and try and see if you can get a higher draft pick. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if we... 
if we do try and trade Whiteside and Bazemore and Trent, I think the best thing we're getting at isn't going to put us into like high contention. It's going to put us into barely making playoffs. And I, I mean, I, I know earlier I was talking about being the, the, the fan side of it only, but at a certain point, you do have to start to think, well, if this is a rebuilding year, let's give our young dudes some run. Let's clear out Mello from getting all the minutes. Let's give him to Nas. Let's let's uh, let's get Anthony running the, the second unit as much as possible in there, uh, and get these guys experience. So then you know we'll get a good lottery pick and next year come back with a strong and healthy roster. So which is more likely? I think they probably are going to try and make the playoffs. I think they probably do make some sort of trade to try and secure an eighth seed spot at least or something like that. But. Which do you want to happen? I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I want the trade to happen. I don't want to miss the playoffs, but at the same time, for the good of the team, Ty, like, wh- where are you at? Do you want to, do you want the immediate thing of keep us in the playoffs and keep the team playing well, or, or, uh, or keep the team powerful? I want a little bit of a, I want a little bit of a reset. A little reset. Uh, yeah, I thought I came into this season with a lot of high expectations for this team. Um, I thought Baysmore would just be way more of an impact. I thought Whiteside. I know. Obviously, a lot of people don't like him, but I thought he would at least figure it out a little bit more. Uh, yeah, this team, their weaknesses are just like super vulnerable. Like they just, yeah. they're gonna have a hard time defending anybody, no matter if Bazemore was good. Like I didn't, I didn't honestly think that their problem with the height, like only having six five guards playing forward, would be, like would be well, that big of a deal. I thought they'd be able to figure it out, but but honestly, like it's that that's that is what. Uh, we talked about this with, with Oliver in the earlier segment, uh, but uh, that's, I, I think, what has been so key to all of this is the big men injuries, the front court injuries we've had, have made our small dudes have to play up in size, and they're playing against dudes who now they can't rebound against, and then they're having to foul them uh, just to try and, like, you know, because of the extra pressure defensively. So you're getting the offset free throws, uh, the foul trouble, and the rebounding trouble all coming from the idea that uh, we have the issues in the front court and the, and the health there and all that. I, it's, it's all super related, but yeah, I don't know what you can do about it at this point. I don't think there's much that we can really do to kind of change things around and restack the roster without having to go through the rest of the season and just say, okay, on to the next one. Yeah, I think O'Shea will, will try and make a trade. I don't think he's content on sitting on the season or tanking or just losing. Same with Damian Lillard. I think as long as Lillard's on the team, it's going to be hard to convince the team or him to take it easy, take a step back, or showing that they are waiting for next year when there's still 30, 40 games left names. Just, I just don't see him being happy with that. But And I think Olshay is under enough pressure. He And I feel like he's the type of guy that he's now like looking at it like he might make a des- – like he's not usually one to make desperation trades, but I think he might this time. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Well, we will have to wait and see on that one. One more thing about uh, last week's more likely. We were talking about who will be in Portland longer, uh, Whiteside or Mello. I'm, I can't remember. Ex- man, I'm, I'm like blanking on exactly how I answered the thing, but I feel like it was a lot of back and forth with you, me, and Mikey V going over that thing. Yeah. And I think in the end, I was saying that Whiteside would probably be here longer. I feel like I got to reverse that at this point because, again, we're talking about the expiring value and how this season is gone. Because when we were talking about it last week, I think the impression was that Mello was coming in as the stopgap, and they were going to get rid of him as soon as possible, but Whiteside would, would still be handy uh, as the stopgap for Nurk. At this point, I feel like we're saying they got to they gotta cut bait. They got to use the expiring contract value that Whiteside has, and so he's probably out of here before Mello. I think they keep Mello around just for entertainment value, right? Well, what happens if they... Because I think on December 15th, the day that is when you can trade players who signed this offseason, which I guess he didn't sign, he was traded. So I think he can get traded anytime, Whiteside. 
but around that 15th when when there's other guys from other teams right. that can get moved. Bazemore. What if he example. gets traded? Yeah. Or so let's say like Whiteside or Bazemore get moved. Or, or for this, let's just say Whiteside gets moved like December 20th. And then also come that guaranteed contract date for Melo. They just don't let him. They just let him go. So there's a possibility that both guys aren't on the. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that in this scenario, we have Melo wins longer. Right. But yeah. It's, it, neither one would be here at the end of the season. But yeah, it's, it, was that the question? Was it would they be here till the end or was no, it? No, I, I, I think it was just one. I think it was which one will be longer or which <laughs> one will finish out the year. But now it might look like neither of them. Neither might of finish them, man. Out the year. <laughs> God. All right. Well, hey, Wild. Uh, listeners, if you have any other suggestions for uh, the title of the more likely segment, the either or thing, or if you have any uh, prop- props for that yourself, if you have anything to suggest as far as what we should be discussing next week, let us know. Uh, you can always write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. This week's winner was the Nasir Little Things. That was at Trevin R8501. New listener, I believe. Shout out to you, sir. Thank you for writing in. He had the idea of OKC Mellow being on that on our, our mellow temperature scale. So we'll figure out exactly where that follows. Are you saying, are you agreeing with me that it goes Olympic, hoodie, OKC, Houston, as far as like top to bottom scale? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We're with you. Well, yeah, so thank you to the Nasir Little Things uh, at Trevon R8501. You're the winner. And Ty, what does uh, the Nasir Little Things win this week? A Rashid Wallace Ooh. card. Look at that. Found this, found this one the other day. Thought it was pretty fancy. Uh, it's a Fleer metal one. So they had this old cool looking one. So it's got a cool little shiny background. And yeah. I like it. Little Rashid. Ball don't lie. She all don't day. lie. All right, congratulations to at Trevin R8501 on that one. Uh, hey, wait, is that from the card van or is that your personal collection? Scene? No, that's that's from a, a box that I bought this summer. Okay, cool. You haven't cracked into the card van yet. We'll get there. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it got unloaded. It's no lo- It's all officially out of the van. It's a it's a card garage now. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, that's that's that then. Listeners, write in your over-unders, your bets, uh, your either-ors, all of your thoughts on the Blazers. You could be the next one winning one of the cards from Ty's hashtag card van or hashtag card garage, whatever we want to go with on that at this point. Uh, <laughs> if you if they want to send us any message on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Ty, where do they write us at? At the Trailcasters. And they can also write straight to, if they want to talk to you about sports cards, where, where can they reach you at? They can find me at TD Sports Cards, or they can find me, and it's at Ty Delbridge. And you can find me at Rip City Keith. Where can they send us those emails? At trailcasters at gmail.com. And if they are finding our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere else that you find your pods, what are we looking for? Five stars. And the music, Odar's music, we can always find that at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. Always support your local beat makers. Please support Envy Adventures. And clearly speaking, Oregon, they have supported us for so long. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Ty, as always. Thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. Thank you to those sponsors, Envy Adventures, and clearly speaking. And thank you to Oliver Maroney of Big Three for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. (laughs) Cool.